0: Is the Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMZ TV show, The Walking Dead.
1: Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is the Talking Dead, episode 187, recorded Wednesday, November 12th, 2014.
0: And it is our feedback show for Season 5, Episode 5, called Self-Help. I think it was 5. Yeah, Yeah, it's 5.
1: Yeah, Yeah, 5.05, and it's my grandmother's birthday. Happy birthday, Grandma.
0: I think you mention your grandmother's birthday every year on this podcast.
1: Well, when we record on uh, November 12th, I think it happens every November 12th for some reason. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, her birthday has rolled around again. Happy birthday, Grandma. She does not listen to this show.
0: No, but all the people who do now can celebrate her birthday with you. That's true. She's on Facebook. She's one of my Facebook friends. Is she on Facebook as much as you're on Facebook? Or uh, th-
1: she's on Facebook more than I'm on Facebook.
0: <laughs> well, that's good then. I should friend your grandma.
1: My grandma texts everybody too. My mom doesn't know how to text worth a, worth a damn, but grandma, she's, uh,
0: she's right on board with texting. What kind of phone she got, an iPhone, Samsung? I don't, I really don't know. Well, you should set her up. Set her up with the the most highest tech phone. Get her a. She
1: has the the perfect tech phone for her. She's eighty five years old. She's got technology that she can handle. Everything is okay. She doesn't need change in that regard.
0: Set her up with an Apple TV. Connect her to the iTunes Store. She can watch all her favorite uh, um, <clears throat> TV shows, including The Walking Dead. It'll be great. Yeah, well, I think you should do that.
1: Murder. She wrote. <laughs> At lock. <laughs>
0: Columbo. (laughs) Those are all great shows. Probably not They really are. All right. Well, happy birthday, Jason's grandma. Uh, We'll uh, talk to you again next year. Yep. All right. Um, I just want to remind everyone, before we get started here, that it is the holiday season coming up, and if you're going to do some shopping at Amazon, you should use our Amazon link, which is amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com. We would really, really appreciate that. And big news, everybody. If you're in the U.K., And you like to shop at Amazon, too, but you don't want to shop at Amazon.com. You want to shop at Amazon.uk. You can now use the link AmazonUK.TalkingDeadPodcast.com to do all your shopping there. So we are an equal opportunity supplier of Amazon links.
1: Except for Canada.
0: Yeah, we don't have Canada yet, the one the country we're in. (laughs) But uh, I'll get around to that. I will. I'm focus. Will. I'm focusing on the um, the big markets for us first, right? That's America, really important countries first. America, the UK. <laughs> um, the funny thing is, with the United Kingdom, because they're EU, it kind of comes with a bunch of other countries, so Spain, France, Germany, um, uh, and and I will have links for those too eventually, but they're not ready yet. <laughs> you know what you're doing. What you're am I
1: concentrating doing? Concentrating on the uh, the countries with uh, nuclear capabilities. I think that's what you're doing, just to make sure that uh, you appease the the countries with the nukes. Well, so who am I the leaving US out? US and
0: UK. I'm leaving out Russia then. China. And China. I don't, I don't know if there are Amazon uh, stores in those countries. There probably are, though. You better get on it, because they got nukes. What about Australia? Do they have nukes? I don't know if Australia has nukes. India? I bet they have nukes. I think they do. Okay. Canada does not. No, you're right. <laughs> we barely have airplanes. <laughs> true. That's not, that's not true. We have some fighters. They're doing stuff right now. Uh, we had a couple of submarines. Uh, oh yeah, I we're. Uh, well, we did at one point. Two left, I think. Is <laughs> how it works. Well, that's a couple. <laughs> one caught on fire. <laughs> that's hard to do if you're on don't in a submarine. I think people were hurt. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at that. It's just you know it's underwater. It's hard to catch on fire. Anyways. Uh, it happened. <laughs> all right. Uh, Amazon AmazonUK.talkingdeadpodcast.com. For all you UK folks, thank you for supporting the show. We really, really appreciate it. <clears throat> all right. One more thing before we get into the feedback, and I'm going to play a contest entry in our Record Your Favorite Scene contest.
1: Yay. I know
0: this is your favorite part of the show, Jason. It is. It is. This one comes and I don't think I've played this before but before, but you let me know if I have, okay? I kinda lost track of what I was doing, so uh this comes from JK in Asia.
2: We need your help. Do you even know why you do the things you do? The choices you make? If we give the government machine, Woodbury stands down. I don't like it but it's what needs to be done. We need to make it quiet. We need your help with that. You ain't told any of the others, huh? Just Herschel, Daryl, and you. Huh. The inner circle. I'm honored. You know, when we'd go out on runs, he'd bash somebody's skull, slash somebody's throat, and he'd say, never waste a bullet. I always thought it was just an excuse. You go on, give him that girl. He ain't gonna kill her, you know. He's just gonna do things to her. Probably take out one of her eyes. Both of them, most likely. You let that happen for a shot? Whew. You're cold as ice, officer friendly. You're gonna need wire, not rope. Wire. Nothing she could chew through. Oh, you know something? You're right. I don't know why I do the things I do. Never did. I'm a damn mystery to me. But I know you, Rick. Yeah, I thought a lot about you. You ain't got the spine for it.
0: Thank you, J.K. That uh, was Merle, of course, talking to Rick about uh, what to do about Woodbury and maybe surrender Michonne over to them.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't think you've played that before.
0: Okay, good. I'm I'm glad. (laughs) I'll make a note that I have now, and uh, I won't play it next week. Good plan. Good plan. Thank you for sending that in. If you want to record a scene, uh, please do so and email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com to enter the contest. And I'm going to uh, announce right here and right now that I'm adding something to the prize for, for this year's contest. Not only do we have a complete set of... Walking Dead comic issue number 100, complete retail set, which is an amazing prize. We also have um, a prop replica from the comic, which I haven't never actually officially announced on the show, because it's a little spoilery, to be honest. And, it's a uh, prop repli- replica
1: from the comic.
0: It is. There's, a, there's an important item in the comic that comes up at some point, and I have a vinyl replica of it, and we are including that with the package.
1: But you're not gonna say what the actual scene is.
0: No, but if anyone wants to know, send an email, ask me what it is, I'll respond and I'll tell you. I just don't right, wanna I'll throw send you an email right now because right. I don't know what it is. I just wanna I just don't wanna throw it out there because it's a little bit spoilery for the comic. And uh I don't wanna do that to anyone. But if you've read the comic, you probably can guess what it is. But if you can't or you want to know, just send me an email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com, and I will respond with exactly what it is. What I'm going to add to the prize right now is a Walking Dead hardcover graphic novel, the all-out war artist's proof edition. Um, I did not even know this existed before last weekend when I was hanging around a bookstore and I came across this. It is a standard... um, Walking Dead hardcover book and it contains all the issues in the all out war storyline. And but the art in it is not the final art. It's the artist proof art. So it's all the sketches and and um uh process art that uh that he went through while he was drawing the uh, the, the actual art. So it's really, really kind of cool. Shows the evolution of it a little bit, yeah. That sounds really good. I didn't even know it existed, but it does. I've now got a uh, copy of it and it's going in the prize vault. So
1: now I'm going to record something and send it
0: in because I might win. (laughs) You might. Wouldn't that be amazing? We get to the end of the season. I'll vote for me. We announce and oh, it's Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Way to have people never listen again. (laughs) Uh, All right. So that's that. I get, get some more entries in. I'm running out of ones to play. So I want to play more yourself, get him in. All right, let's uh, move on. We're going to do a couple of holy crap moments here before we get into the actual feedback, and we can't do that without doing this. Holy crap. Did you see that? All right. Thank you, voiceover reader. Our first holy crap moment comes from Rich in Sacramento, although he's living, living in Okinawa. And Rich says, holy crap, did you see Abraham with his perpetual bloodied hand? Nice use of symbolism. Dude's got blood on his hands, tries to clean up, but keeps getting more and more blood on his hands. Or it could be that he keeps opening old wounds. Either way, that dude carries a lot of weight on his shoulders and a little over the edge when it comes to sanity. Okay, maybe a lot over the edge. (laughs) And he's got a punching problem. (laughs) As we said last time, he gets punchy.
1: Yeah, he's a little punchy. Very. All right, next next Holy Crap is Anna in Wales. My Holy Crap, did you see that moment, was the burning of the books in the bookshop. I don't care if it's the end of the world. There's no excuse for burning books. Also, my Holy Crap, did you see that coming from a mile uh, off moment was Eugene's revelation that he's not a scientist and he can't cure the Walker's disease. The moment I saw the clip of Abraham sinking to his knees in despair in the trailer... I knew that this must be the moment that he finds out.
0: Right. So I remember seeing that scene in the trailer for the first time back in the summer when we analyzed the crap out of that thing, and we talked about what could cause Abraham to sink to his knees like that, and I think I speculated that he lost someone important to him. Somebody died. Yeah. And when you think about it, what he lost is his purpose, is his mission, and that's for him just as bad, I think.
1: Uh Yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. He's mourning the death because as soon as his uh, wife and children had died, you know, he had a new mission, and now that mission's over, so he can, you know, it's a fresh wound. He's got to grieve his missing or his lost family all over again. That's right.
0: You know what else I realized uh, after reading Anna's holy crap here is I think, um, and and I may not be 100% correct here, but I think almost all of the footage that we saw in the trailer at Comic-Con We have now seen in episodes.
1: Well, we're going to have to go back and look at it again. Well, yes,
0: go go back to the tape, maybe. But I think there's most of it's gone. I remember a couple of years ago, the trailer they said had footage from the first three episodes, and that was it. And here we are, five episodes in. So I don't think there's probably much more that uh, could have was even shot at the time. So. So everything we get now is all new going from here on. Yeah. Not all nude. All new.
1: (laughs) And as for burning books, uh, there are some books. I'm sorry to say there are some books that you can burn. Uh, You ever watch the movie Day After Tomorrow? Yes. Uh, So they're in a library in uh, New York City, and uh, they had to stay warm and stay alive, so they needed to burn books. So what they did was they burned uh, uh, all the tax law books. (laughs) and those are acceptable to stay warm
0: those are Uh, acceptable
1: burning shakespeare bad burning pretty much anything bad but burning tax
0: law okay Mm. in my opinion i agree uh phone book archive is probably okay yep well
1: (laughs) yes and no i mean there's no more internet right so how are you gonna find out about uh well i guess there's no more need for phone numbers so maybe you're right
0: i don't think there's any more phone numbers either yeah um, You're right. Uh, tax law, that's that's a good one to go. Really, any government records probably are okay to go. But uh, works of art, you want to try avoid avoid burning those.
1: That's true. They don't burn very well either, except for uh, the Mona Lisa, because it's painted on wood.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. I didn't know that. I've seen it in real life, and I did not know that.
1: Yeah, it's painted on a big slab of wood.
0: You know, somebody tweeted uh, tweeted me a couple of days ago that... You are a walking encyclopedia, Mr. Miles.
1: Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a walking uh, bullshit factory is what I am. <laughs> it's not everything I say is true. And we all know that. Uh-huh. But I'm capable of uh, bullshitting with the best of them so I can make people believe what I say is true. So, uh, And you know the difference? Did I ever tell you the difference between lying and bullshit? Uh, I think so, but why don't you re-enlighten me? All right. So lying is telling you something knowing full well that it's wrong. I am aware of what is true and what is false and I am deliberately giving you a false statement. Bullshit is saying something that very well could be true or it could be false. I don't know. You got no idea. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's, I I have no uh, thought process as, as to what is true and what isn't true. I'm just saying it and stating it as a fact.
0: It very well could be true. The crap is just coming out of your mouth regardless. Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Not crap.
1: Crap implies a lie. Bullshit implies, uh, you know, possible truth. Okay,
0: fair (laughs) enough. Well, even on the last podcast, did you get that email I sent you? Someone wrote in to debunk your sinking library uh, story.
1: And I actually appreciate that. And I attributed, I didn't learn that from the internet or from uh, a disreputable source. I learned that from my drafting and architecture teacher in high school. I was taking drafting and we had to do some architecture stuff and he was talking about live load and dead load of buildings and he told the story about that library and so I believed it because Mr. Lake was a a font of information and I loved that class and I liked him as a teacher so I believed him and I'm glad that I now know that 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 is a, uh, that's been completely debunked and is false. So I appreciate that.
0: Good for you. It's good that you can accept new knowledge like that and not outright reject it. Right.
1: And, you know, to be fair, he might have been saying that in class as a parable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, be careful and make sure you weigh all the options and make sure you go and do your due diligence to make sure that your design is true and proper and you don't miss anything. And I took it as fact, and I was wrong.
0: Well, very good. Anyways, with that in mind, let's move into some more facts that may not be facts, and I'm sure you will have some bullshit answers as we move along. Absolutely, always, <laughs> never ending. All right, we're going to do some listener feedback. Listener feedback. Okay, we have first one is call comes from Angie in Birmingham.
3: Hi guys, it's Angie from Birmingham, and um, I just wanted to send a quick message uh, just to say that this episode was a million and one times better than last week's Um, the main argument for everybody that was so pro slab Tail and loved it was saying that you need a slow episode to bring the the story forward and level out the pacing the difference between last week's episode and this one is that as a character Beth doesn't matter to the story in three seasons she hasn't had a plot line, she hasn't been important Um, She's had nothing to do. I mean, even when we first met her back in season two and she slit her wrists, I really was sitting there thinking, please, God, let her succeed because I can't stand her. Um, And, yeah, she's got a bit better. Um, Everybody's saying how badass she is now. Uh, she's not. She's not badass at all. She's capable of coping with the environment and anybody that isn't capable of doing what she can do right now is dead. However, this week's was brilliant. We got Abe's backstory, um, we got the journey toward DC, we got the most ridiculous pointless crash known to man. I think Abe went to the same driving school as Laurie. Um, but other than that, a pretty solid episode and I really liked it.
0: Thank you, Angie. Uh, you may have noticed I, I cut your, your call short there a little bit, not because we don't like hearing from you, but it's tough to play like six-minute phone calls on the right. on the show. So um, uh, thank you for your, your input, though. Um, Angie really didn't like last week's episode, but thought this one yeah. was, was much better, which is, I think, a feeling of a lot of people.
1: And with the crows in the background, I choose to believe that Angie recorded that in a cemetery.
0: Yeah, I sort of thought she was probably walking her dog, you know, out for out for an afternoon, maybe, maybe, maybe went shopping, picked up some bread, some cheese, and then uh, walked home through the cemetery.
1: Yeah, walked it went, uh, and I chose. <laughs> I I personally believe it was uh, very early in the morning, and there was a fog on the ground, and uh, she's walking through the cemetery, walking her dog. That's fine, and the uh, the crows are uh, doing their thing in the background
0: because crows only live in cemeteries
1: and the, the Tower of London.
0: Right, Tower of London.
1: Yeah, they're considered uh, privates in the military in the Tower of London. Did you know that?
0: <laughs> no, but I'm not surprised that you do, or All do right. or do you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so next we have a call from uh, Claudia in London. Speaking of,
4: yeah. Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm calling from London. I just saw the episode of the the self help, and uh, it was a very nice episode. Apart from the scenes with Maggie and Glenn, I saw so boring that I almost fell asleep. I think they should cut that scene altogether. And I did notice the skin, the face of uh, Maggie and uh, what's name Rosita, it looked like they, ha- they have very bad skin. I don't know, maybe because I was watching HD, uh, it looked like they have spots everywhere. <laughs> if you double-check that. And, uh, thanks, thanks for the fantastic podcast, anyway. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you, Claudia. She's tough. <laughs> She's tough on the ladies in the show. Yeah, <laughs> um, I didn't really notice any problems with with uh, Maggie or Rosita's skin, but at the same time, this is the apocalypse. I mean, they're not they're not you know doing them doing themselves up the way they would if it, if it was wasn't the apocalypse. That's true. It's hard to come by, you know, makeup and all that sort of stuff. Anyways. And it's
1: ravens at the Tower of London, not crows. I apologize.
0: <laughs> Gosh, all right. Uh, Thank you, Claudia, for that one. Next one comes from James in the UK. Better pay attention here, Jason. Mm -hmm. Hi, Jason and Chris. My name's James Danson. I'm from Kirkham in the UK. I was just contacting regarding the ending juxtaposition of the modern and past Abraham, which I actually thought was quite neatly handled. It expressed the significance of Eugene within Abraham's arc. Eugene's arrival kind of insisted purpose upon Abraham's life the purpose of which kind of unhinged Abraham at the revelation of its fictitious reality. Whilst I found the overall episode to be disjointed, ill-lighted, and overly hasty in the portrayal of Abraham's past, I found that the unravelling and immediate repercussions of Eugene's lies were comparatively more dramatically effective than their occurrence within The Walking Dead 67. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank you, James. Yeah. Um, that's uh, that's good. I mean, what he's saying there is that... it. it the sort of the revelation of Eugene's uh lying was it played out better in the show than in the comic at least i think that's what he's saying <laughs> right. um and uh you know his all what did he say the um Eugene's past or not Eugene Abraham's past was portrayed on the show a little bit disjointed and i kind of felt that too it's it the clips were almost too short of what we got to sort of co- give um portray the 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 feeling that they were going for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really, because <laughs> I barely know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got gotcha. you. But just as soon as you—what th- I think—what I'm trying to say is as soon as you feel like you figure out kind of what's going on in the scene, you cut away, and I guess that's good. They leave you wanting more, maybe, but at the same time, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of what's going on in the past there with Abe.
1: Uh yeah i mean the the typical way that the uh, The Walking Dead does flashbacks is they do a whole flashback right at the beginning and then that's it right true uh so this is a different way of uh portraying flashbacks. This was all a lost kind of flashback right where they interpose uh flashbacks throughout the entire episode that are relevant and then you have a reveal that uh gives you uh you know that wow factor or that whoa factor. So this was very reminiscent of the Lost-style flashbacks, which, uh, which I kind of liked. But again, the Lost-style flashbacks were a part of the show, uh, the regular show, and the flashbacks lasted longer and had more context.
0: Right. Those. I think, but see, I think the difference is a Lost flashback, you'd be a flashback would be an entire scene, whereas the Abraham flashbacks, it was like one scene cut into three or four different bits. Right, and it was the, it was right after every commercial break. It was, right? yeah.
1: So it was commercial break, then, you know, 14 seconds of flashback, and then back into story.
0: Yeah, but I think the, like, the I think the supermarket, uh, the very beginning, I mean, where he's uh, killing the guys with the be- can of beans, um, I think that works fine by itself. You don't really have context, you don't know what's going on, but it is a self-contained scene. It's Abraham killing some guys for some reason. Um, but then the next three of them or so is him, like, approaching his family, they're scared, approaching his family some more, they're still scared. You know, it's it feels like it was yeah. sort of the same scene that was cut into a few different parts, which didn't work as well for me. I guess the idea was portrayed, but it did feel a little bit disjointed.
1: True. All right, so let's uh, go to the, another call. This one's from John in Pittsburgh.
0: Hey, guys, this is John from Pittsburgh. Um, just a comment on the episode self-help, and Eugene, um, we saw that he put glass in the gas tank on the bus. But think back in season four, where he shot up the gas tanks, and I wonder if that was really an accident or not. Interesting. Um, looks like he's been stalling the whole time. Anyway, that's my comment about the episode and the show. Um, you guys are doing a great job. Thanks. Thank you, John. So we, we know for a fact that he's been stalling the whole time. He said it himself, and I yep. think him shooting up that truck way back when they were first introduced was definitely a stall tactic. It does uh, seem
1: like it could have been a stall tactic, and he wasn't a complete bumbling fool at the time.
0: Yeah, Possibly still a bumbling fool, but at least a bumbling fool who knew what he was doing when it came to <laughs> killing vehicles.
1: <laughs> it's very Sung Su.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I still—I don't— like, I still believe he's not exactly a weapons guy. He doesn't shoot guns. He, you know, really is pretty timid, doesn't know how to protect himself. But when he got his hands on a gun and there was chaos around and nobody was looking, he took that opportunity to destroy that, uh, that big truck. What did you call it again? Uh, two and uh, a half. Deuce and a half. Yeah, deuce and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half ton truck. That's right. So I'm, you know, I'm, I think that was, that was uh, on purpose for sure. Intentional. Uh, all right, one more call. We've got Ashley in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina.
4: Hey, this is Ashley from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I just wanted to ask a question about why the, why the walkers heard. Why did they feel the need to roam in packs? I just don't understand what the, what the driving force of that would be, and that's something that I think is like a mystery in the, in the series for me. Also, um, the other question I uh, or comment I wanted to make was about how Maggie is a little unconcerned about where Beth is. I think in this time, day and time, um, life is crazy and people get lost all the time. And I think Maggie has lost so many people in her life that she can't even... Comprehend losing Beth, and the fact that she's not addressing it is the, is the main reason um, that she she just can't she doesn't can't worry about where she is. She she needs to focus on what she's trying to accomplish in the here and now, and not wonder where her sister may be.
0: Thank you, Ashley. Um, first of all, why do zombies herd? I believe the answer to that question is they're just kind of attracted to each other and they follow the movement. So one zombie hears something and starts walking towards it, any zombies that he passes will just kind of join join the parade, and then they hear something else so they turn again and follow that way and then they pick up more zombies and slowly they pick up more and more and eventually they're a giant group walking along, shambling along. And uh, they don't really form herds on purpose. They just kind of do it accidentally.
1: Right. I, I, too, I choose to believe that uh, humans are social animals, right? Like we like to be around other humans for survival and companionship. And we know that zombies do carry residual memories of their lives. So I, I personally choose to believe that uh, they're social animals and they just like to roam around with other, you know, of their kind.
0: I guess or
1: like you say it's a parade
0: and uh <laughs> they're just kind of
1: wandering around and you know you put some instruments on them and you get yourself a you get yourself a nice parade going.
0: You have just a marching band. Yeah,
1: you'd have a yeah, the world's largest shambling marching band. <laughs> the oh, that's a
0: really good idea. Put together a shambling marching band and go do parades. I think that is a great idea. A zombie marching band? Um it's a Fantastic idea. Somebody's got to do that. Somebody probably has done that.
1: I don't know. The Shriners have a uh, you know a dead lock on uh, parades. They go. They drive around in cars. They do. Uh, they have marching bands. They have bands that drive around on floats for crying out loud. How lazy can you be? So I think a shambling uh, zombie marching band in a parade would be a sight to behold.
0: It would. I would pay to see that. You don't pay to see parades. Buddy. I would. I would show up at the side of the road to see that. <laughs>
1: I would, see? I would walk down the street <laughs> to the
0: nearest Santa Claus parade <laughs> to see zombies playing in a marching band. I don't know if you'd get zombies in the Santa Claus parade, but definitely like the um, more of an Easter thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I was going to say the St. Patrick's Day parade, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we need a, We need a good, uh, a good uh, holiday. Good holiday. Was, uh, they don't holiday. have. Uh, why don't they have? uh halloween parades now there's a whole opportunity right there Jeez, man you're full of ideas tonight all right i'm gonna talk to my local government good idea <laughs> all right next we have uh, an email from paul in Ellesmereport, uk i enjoyed this episode and it was a huge improvement over last last week's disappointing slab town I did feel the Abraham and Rosita sexual relationship complaint uh, completely came out of the blue, and I don't remember even getting a hint of this in any of the other episodes. This did bother. This sorry, this didn't bother me as such, but I did find it a bit clunky, and to be honest, not even sure if it was relevant to the story.
0: Having them do it on the floor. I mean, it was relevant to me in that it it sort of exposed the sheer magnitude of the awkwardness that Eugene has, <laughs> and it, you know, told us a little bit about their weird, crazy relationship, the three of them. Yeah. Um, But the the relationship itself, I don't know. I mean, pe- people pair up, and that happens all the time. We're,
1: is, we're social animals.
0: That's right. I mean, is their relationship any less important than Maggie and Glenn's? Uh, not really. Other We just think so, because we've been with Maggie and Glenn for so much longer, and we saw them fall in love and get married and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, With these two, we're still getting to know them. And it may not feel that relevant, but it might be in the future.
1: Right? Uh, Yeah, it very well could be. And I think it also enhanced the shock value of the I'm going to go get some ass statement.
0: That's true. That's true. That was was kind of out of nowhere, no matter what, though. Like, having a nice conversation with Glenn, and then he's like, you should get some rest— any other movie would be like, yeah, you're right. I need to go and sleep because I'm on watch later. He's like, no, I'm going to go get a piece of ass. <laughs> yeah. I, I know people that would say that, though. I knew I, people I've, that I've would known, say that. Yeah,
1: I I knew people that would say that.
0: Not not so much at this stage in my life. I choose to hang no, around. we're all adults now.
1: That's so right. it's really, and you know, uh, you and I are both married, and it would be really weird if we were hanging out with friends and I said, I'm going to go get some ass it would it would be weird.
0: Yeah, I think that would be really weird. I've known your wife for longer than you have. That's true. Assuming you would be referring to her.
1: Oh, well, yes, I would also assume that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, and we assumed that he was going to talk to Rosito. like I said on Monday. Yeah. He could very well have been talking about Eugene.
0: That would be especially uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> we all make, make assumptions, right?
0: I suppose. All right, next email comes from Michael in London. He says marked improvement from last week. Not sure whether it was because we had better characters, better storyline or more experienced actors, but this was a top episode. When we first met Abraham, Eugene and Rosita, they seemed gimmicky and all I saw them was all I saw them as was bad mullet, bad mustache and great legs. Three different things, not just Abraham but now, I felt they really held their own and have proven to be excellent and important characters in their own right. Abraham, in particular, was great, and his meltdown through the episode was superbly acted out. Not even a night with Rosita in a library can halt that meltdown. <laughs> Do you remember... Okay, that was not a bad mustache. Uh, that, that, bad mustache? That, that I disagree with. He said it was a,
1: all he saw was a bad mullet, bad mustache, and great legs. Mm-hmm. I disagree with the mustache.
0: Okay. But you agree with the mullet and the legs? Uh, I, I believe so, yeah. All right. I was going to say, do you remember when we first met these characters? And I remember thinking to myself and saying it probably here that they felt a little cartoony. They felt yeah. like caricatures of characters, not real characters. Yeah. Did you feel that way at the time? Uh, well, it's hard
1: to look back on that and come up with an honest answer. I think so. I think I may have. I, I I remember you saying that. I don't know if it was on the air or somewhere else. We rarely talk about this show outside of these podcasts, so it's probably on air. Um, And I agreed with it, but I, I'm not sure. Now that I look back, yes, of course, but I'm not sure at the time how I
0: felt. Well, I, my I think my point is I felt that way then. I certainly don't now. You know, I feel like we've gotten to know them a little bit. We haven't had much with Rosita, to be fair. But through those other two, we just—we've got the sort of—we um, we we've, we feel like we know what they've gone through a little bit more now, you know? And as, as a group, even though we haven't seen—you know, haven't spent much time with Rosita, but as a group, we, we get an idea of what they're all about. And I don't feel like they're gimmicky at all anymore. So— yeah. I hope they stick around, and uh, and uh, they are certainly more now than a bad mullet, a bad mustache, and great legs. Mm-hmm. Although, they're a creepy guy, weird guy, and <laughs> the lady weird guy is having sex with. Yeah, now they're creepy mullet, <laughs> weird mustache, and great legs. <laughs> yeah, we will see. Uh, I'm sure we'll get more from them in the future.
1: Uh, so next we have an email from Adam in Texas. Adam writes, So I kind of like Gimple's commitment to the comic book as a source material, but in this case I was really, really hoping they would surprise us in another way. There's been a few instances of using the comics as a checklist of things that need to happen, but I really would have loved it, loved it if Eugene did in fact know something. But in the spirit of the show, he gets killed before getting to D.C.
0: Yeah, Oil you know, alert. Uh... No, we don't know if he gets killed before getting to DC. What, what Adam here is saying is that he was hoping for kind of a change from the comics, right? And that, yeah, let's say that Eugene actually did know something. He really was working at the Human Genome Project as a brilliant scientist. Um, scientist, so, Right. And and they, they, they go on that for a while, but then he gets killed. You know, and that would be kind of, that would be a real huge letdown.
1: <laughs> it know? would be. I mean, they could have established that, uh, you know, Eugene worked for this project. And I mean, that sort of established this, that he doesn't know that there's a group of people in Washington, D.C. to work with once they get there. He just knows that uh, that's where his compatriots were at the time the zombie outbreak Happened, so that's why he's going there. So if they establish that they don't know for sure that there's something there to receive them, mm-hmm. and but they're still going, and then Eugene dies, we're in the same place.
0: Yeah, we're in the same place. But where were they coming from? Uh, Houston or Dallas? I forget. Uh, they were in Texas. Yeah, so we're in Texas. You know, it could have it could have easily been like you know maybe the 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 head office is in Texas, but the second largest affiliate office is in Washington, and so that's his reason for going there, thinking you know if anywhere there's still going to be people there that i can work with that can help me and maybe we can beat this thing um it what i'm saying is it would be easy to ex- sort of explain his desire to get there other than just thinking well it's the capital so that's probably where we should go Yep. Yeah. and if he really was a smart guy and had the knowledge then uh yeah it would have been it would have been so devastating for for the characters, if they couldn't protect this guy who might be the last hope for mankind and devastating for the viewing audience too, because, you know, in Walking Dead typical style, if they tease something that's that's kind of good and uplifting, you know that's going to be just pulled right out from under you right away and something horrible is going to happen. So right. that would have so, fit with The Walking Dead for sure.
1: That's true. I think the biggest mistake Eugene made, just as a uh, from a character point of view, is trying to slow down and not get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, uh, you know, as a, uh, semi-professional bullshit artist, I think the best position that he, or best thing he could have done was to get them there, point to a building and say, that's it. And then there'd be nothing there. Oh, well, we tried mm-hmm. and he doesn't, doesn't lose face. He doesn't, uh, everything's still the same and then come up with another idea. Oh, we need to go to Washington or not Washington, but Washington state, Seattle. Yeah. Let's go to the Space Needle and then just kind of (laughs) tour around the States for a while until, uh, you know, either you find a place that uh, you can settle down or uh, everybody gets killed and you end up running away from three zombies for the year and a half.
0: Yeah. So 25 years later, they've visited uh, Washington, D.C., Seattle. They've gone to Los Angeles. Then they went to Denver. And now they're on their way to Nebraska. And he's like, you know, maybe we should just find somewhere to hang out for a while. <laughs> Denver's a
1: good idea. I would go to Denver. Why? I don't Rocky Mountain high, my friend. Yeah. It's uh it's way up there, there's lots of snow and stuff and I think somewhere around there there's hot springs. Uh so but I'm not sure. There's somewhere in the Rocky Mountains there's a place where there's lots of hot springs where you can get lots of nice hot water in the winter. Oh,
0: okay. Well, hot water would be nice.
1: Exactly. You got uh, you know, you burrow burrow into a cave for the winter, you got hot water. And uh, all you have to do is uh, find a source of food. How hard can that be? How hard can food be? We've been eating, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years. I'm sure that somehow we can find a way to eat.
0: All right, where are we? Paul in Bakersfield is next? Uh, yes. All right, and it's me. Paul in Bakersfield had this to say. I agree that I like the group together, but the problem is that it's hard to make drama that way. Our core characters have become so capable... That another group would need to have a tank to seriously threaten them splitting up the group imperils characters in a way that seems more organic than them being attacked by large evil groups it's two years in large evil groups should have collapsed like woodbury or solidified into localized powerhouses what was that movie where they said
1: never split up it was a movie or a tv <laughs> show where they they one of the cardinal rules was never divide the group
0: Well, you may be referring to Cabin in the Woods, and I do not want to talk about Cabin in the Woods here, because everyone should go watch that movie, fresh and clean, but... Cabin in the Woods is a parody of other horror movies, or it's not a parody, but it's a, you know, homage or
1: something. It's a lot of tropes from other uh, horror movies. So it's, you know, if it's from Cabin in the Woods, it's, uh, it's from somewhere else.
0: Yes. And don't say any more about Cabin in the Woods, man. (laughs) Sorry, did I go too far? I I don't know. I don't think so. But, but, you know, not splitting up the group reminded me of that. I don't know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, neither do I. Okay, good. (laughs) As usual, it's bullshit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just asking the question. There was, it just, it strikes a familiar chord with me. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I was hoping you would know because, you know, between the two of us, we know everything. And if I don't know something, you probably know it.
0: Oh, there's a good chance. Uh, what Paul's referring to here is my complaining that they, they're they splitting up the group a little bit, and and I was saying they do that probably to make it easier to write the story. And I think Paul kind of is on board with that. He says it's hard to make drama when the group is together, so they make dramatic situations when the group is apart because there's less people in the same place. And True. as much as I like to see the group together... That's a good point. I mean, we're getting some good episodes of the group split apart. Well, one, anyways. The Beth one was, you know, debatable. Um, but I think what's going to happen is the group's going to come back together now and resolidify, solidify and, and probably once they come back together, stick together for a little while because I feel like they're going to be on the road and it's harder to have the whole group moving on the road and have them, you know, going in different directions because that doesn't make any sense.
1: All right, next we have an email from Chuck in Fairborn, Ohio. I feel we are losing some story because the show is just trying to come up with new cool ways to kill zombies. The basement water zombies and the fire truck zombie kills were examples of this. Uh, This show is at its best with character development, and we need more of it rather than Nicotero's special effect of the week.
0: And um, I'm going to continue with Matt in Bristol, UK. Says the zombie kills at the start of the most recent episode, whilst the gang were escaping from the bus, bothered me. Was it just me, or were there three, or were three or four taken out with stab wounds to the mouth and throat? I thought only removing the head or destroying the brain would suffice. Did you notice this?
1: I did not notice this.
0: Yeah, when they're killing the, the bus zombies, like uh, Maggie might have, like one, like, sort of up through the chin and into the mouth, which, I mean, I guess with a long enough knife, you can hit the brain that way, but you're really just putting it up through their mouth and into their nasal cavity, probably. I don't know if that's really gonna destroy the brain. Um Well, even stabbing,
1: you know, a human, a live human being's head into the brain is not necessarily a kill, right? People have survived pipes through their skulls. Yes. And, you know, big chunks of their brain being hacked out. It's, it's, it's rare and it's weird, but it's survivable. So it's, it's not a guaranteed kill to kill a human that way. I agree. So it, uh, but it is a guaranteed kill for a zombie. So I'm thinking if you can sever the spinal column at the base of the skull, that's good enough.
0: Well, that's mostly, I'd say, good enough because you're cutting the head off. Basically, and but we've seen zombies' heads—nothing but heads—with the mouths and eyes still moving.
1: Yeah, but who cares, right? You know, if you right. just cut their spinal column, and they fall down. Then you know their eyes and heads can move all they want. We're gonna get, you know, we're gonna hoof it away from here, and they're not gonna be able to crawl along by their lips very well. No, not so much. So that they're head not really can do. a threat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, but what about uh, what about um, Chuck? Chuck's email about uh, how show constantly trying to come up with new ways to. Nuke sort of features zombies and new ways to kill them. Do you feel that at all? Uh,
1: Well, I I'm, I, think so. I mean, I've complained about both of those scenarios where they uh, jumped in the water and uh, complained about the fire truck spraying these zombies to death with its weak little hose. Um, so, but I, I, you know, it could be. You know, like, how, it's going to get boring after a while. You know, stab zombie, stab zombie, shoot zombie, stab zombie, stab yeah. zombie. It's going to be like uh, if you ever played an MMO and you have to go dig a bunch of trees or cut down trees in order to make shields, in order to make money, you can spend weeks doing that. It gets boring as hell. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you know, there might have to be new... And even herds now are, you know, we've seen them before, right? They're they're bad, and it's a situation, but... Uh, So I think we, unfortunately, really have to get away from killing zombies in this show. And uh, Chuck is right. The show is at its best with character development. Humans are the threat. Zombies are the setting.
0: Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, I love seeing zombies being killed in fun and exciting ways. So I hope they don't completely move away from that. If, if, If it sort of devolves into every episode you know, there is one obvious zombie killing scene that is just there to showcase the effects or that sort of thing, then that'll be kind of annoying. But as long as as long as it's worked into the show in a reasonable way, I don't think I'm ever gonna grow tired of it.
1: So uh and what we don't want is uh dead rising type stuff. We don't want a baseball bat chainsaw or a lawnmower uh attached to a rake <laughs> killing zombies kind of thing, right?
0: I, would, I wouldn't say we... I want the spirit of that sometimes, but no, not necessarily those things, right? I think last season when Maggie was killing zombies with the parking sign, that was amazing. Right. I loved that because it was unique and it was um, creative on her part, right? She she used what was available to her at that moment in, in when she was in trouble. So I really liked that. But yeah, if Daryl starts you know if if they go somewhere and he builds a workbench and then he's got like a uh, a chainsaw crossbow i don't think i'm going to be as happy with that because yes that's a little too video gamey for a tv show right
1: i mean uh dead rising this that's, that's all done with you know tug and cheek it's all supposed to be campy right
0: yeah and fun it was fun i had a lot of fun playing that game
1: and f- yeah and fun uh all right so next we have a uh well, it's not an email it's joe on facebook okay Sunday's episode made a very bad mistake. The fire truck. (laughs) If the truck's engine won't run, it will not spray water at all. The water cannon on top of the truck is called a deck gun or a monitor. Uh, Like it simply won't pump water without the engine. How do I know this? I've been a fire truck mechanic for 10 years. Love the walking dead. Seen a lot of iffy things, but that fire truck was 100% wrong.
0: Does that bother me at all, that we know the fire truck was not running, yet the water pump would work to shoot water at the zombies? Does it bother you? I'm asking myself. Does it bother me? I'm not sure oh. that it does, but I do agree that it's silly, that it, you know, in real life would never happen that way. Um, but this relates to, you know, the last couple of emails. The water cannon was sort of the this week's new way of killing zombies. And I thought it was kind of kind of neat, so I think I'll let it pass
1: uh no way, I'm with Joe on this. that was way wrong, and they should have got it right if they got a fire truck from somewhere, they got a someone that knows about fire trucks, and someone went to them and said, "Yeah, with that engine not running, that deck gun will not fire will not spray water and then somebody went, "I don't care,"
3: and did yeah. it anyway
1: so that kind of thing bothers me they they knowingly there's no way they didn't know that the the fire truck wouldn't uh, spray
0: water or without the engine running. But you don't need a like fire truck consultant on a TV show, right? There's probably no one around that whose job it is to make sure that the the fire truck logic holds together. So there's a
1: guy they rented that fire truck from somewhere. Exactly. that, they, that guy that came with the fire truck knows about fire trucks.
0: But he would have said something. I would have said something. But that guy doesn't know the script. Like they don't show him the script. What's going on? He shows up with his fire truck, and they're like, "Okay, we got to make it all dirty. We got to cover it in, in remains. I uh, hope you don't mind." And uh, he,
1: he went to a, he went to get a burger or something, and came back two days later when they were done with the fire truck, and said, "Thank you for your uh, well, maybe thank you for
0: your." check but I'm saying well he could have yeah but maybe you know maybe he's not even really exactly aware of what's going on in the moment like he could be you know he shows up with the fire truck and then you know then he goes and sits somewhere until they're done with it he's not hanging around they're not asking him questions not they're not consulting him on the mechanics of a fire truck so all I'm trying to say is maybe no one really thought about the fact that this thing wouldn't work without the engine on
1: okay here's a question for you okay The prop department, once they're all done uh, decking out this uh, fire truck in dirt and gore and whatnot, when they're ready to shoot the scene, somebody climbed up on that fire truck and pulled the trigger. And then somebody, do you think somebody would have went, oh, crap, we need to have the engine on in order for this thing to work?
0: Um, Do you think they were really shooting water or was it special effect water?
1: Oh, it must have been. It was if it was special effect water, it would have had a lot more power than the, the wimpy hose flinging water thing that they had in the, uh, in the shot. Okay. That thing was just pouring point. water on the people, not spraying water at them at I... the full
0: force of that, uh, that deck gun. No, it wasn't. I watched it again though. It wasn't like a little trickle though. I mean, it was.
1: No, but it was not the full power of that deck gun. Go, you know, go on <laughs> YouTube and look up, uh, deck guns or deluge guns or whatever they're called. And, uh, they can spray for like, they can get that thing on the top of a building from there.
0: I I know that. I totally get it. Uh, if they was really spraying at full force,
1: I bet you that could have taken the zombies' heads off. But they didn't want to hurt these stunt people. Anyway, I I just, I, I agree with Joe. I call bullshit on this. This kind of thing bothers me.
0: So, okay, so they it it just comes down to the truck should have been running. They get the Had who tru- have been. They get the truck running. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, stuck on something. The zombies come out and they're like, all right, before we roll out, let's fire hose some zombies.
1: But the truck wasn't running. That no. was part of the, the I thing. So it couldn't have been running. So it didn't work with the truck running. So they decided to do it anyway.
0: All right. Well, that's it. I'm not watching anymore. Stupid fire truck. <laughs> that's it. I'm out. I'm going to rage quit this show. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. <laughs> all right. Next, uh, next, we have a call from Roll Tide Mike in... Alabama.
5: Hey guys, this is Roll Tide Mike from Alabama. Um, I wanted to to get y'all's perspective on the whole episode because there's a lot of little things that I wanted to see what y'all saw that I didn't see. But I did see something that, or not see something that kind of bothered me a little bit, and I wonder if I just missed it. Um, After they they cleared out the zombies with the fire hose, which was awesome, um, Abraham went on top of that fire truck to get it started, and we cut to a commercial. And the thing that happens right after we get back, unless I missed it. They're in the middle of a, a road, in the middle of a different location, and the the bus, the fire truck is stalled again. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how did they get from having to try to start the fire engine in a town to being out in the middle of a field? It seems like there's a, a continuity type of thing right there where you're missing a lot of things that I guess are just not too relevant. But I just, uh, you know, that bothered me a little bit, and I just, just wanted to see what y'all's take on that was. Roll Tide.
0: Thanks Roll Tide Mike. <laughs> um so yeah that was just like time passing, right? I mean they we know they they started the fire truck up, it didn't work, they killed all the zombies and then Abraham went up on top to clear out some remains, some guts from from an air intake, right? Yep. So that air could get into uh into the well I don't know, into the engine I guess and operate mm-hmm. it properly. Yep. Um so what we can assume is that he cleared that out they were able to start it up and they were able to go for a while but then something else went wrong or um or he, you know there was more guts in there that he thought or something like that
1: Uh yeah something else happened they ran out of gas it uh, th- threw a rod whatever that means uh and uh you know the truck broke down yeah i, I assume that because abraham cleared out the actual air intake of that engine that uh, it could run again
0: Yeah and they just they just went for a while and then something else went wrong because as we know, these guys can't keep a truck running for more than fifteen miles at a time.
1: That that's true. I'm I'm surprised or maybe Eugene sabotaged it again. Maybe he put something in the uh in the gas line again. Maybe like sugar or uh I don't know what he would have done. You know what that's a smart man, he figured out something.
0: Yeah, it uh he's a smart guy, right. He um that reminds me, when they first—what I wanted to mention, actually, while we were recapping this episode on Monday—but um, when you watch that scene back again, at first, when Abraham gets in to start the truck, Eugene is sitting beside him in the passenger seat, mm-hmm. and Eugene has, a, like, a look on his face, like, a thoroughly unimpressed or really worried and upset look on his face, because that truck starts up, everyone's celebrating, Abraham's like, "Woohoo! something finally goes right— and Eugene's sitting there like, oh God, oh God, we're, we're on the road again. You know, this is bad. This is bad. What am I going to do? And uh, I just thought um, he played it, Josh McDermott there played it really well, you know, because at that point we don't know he's lying yet, but the look on his face really told us or hinted that he was, I thought. I think he did a good job. Yeah. It was really nice. Uh,
1: you know what I would do if I was in a zombie apocalypse and I just cleared out a, uh, a fire
0: hall, Move into the... Oh, well, I know what you'd do. You'd go upstairs and, and slide down the fire pole. Well, I'd slide down the fire pole. That's a given.
1: But <laughs> I would also grab uh, their coats and boots and stuff. Because A, they're probably really warm in the winter. And B, they probably can't be bitten through. Mm-hmm. So they would make good armor against, uh, against zombies. A and little they're waterproof in case it rains.
0: A little heavy and bulky to run around in, but definitely good armor
1: yeah if I you know if I had a working fire truck that we were about to hit the road with and I was at a fire station that probably uh hadn't been touched since the initial zombie outbreak because there was that nifty sign on the on the ground saying, Don't go in there, they're all sick uh then most likely there's either a supplies or b equipment in there and then they have those uh those weapons not weapons the fire fighters use this tool to break open doors and get oh, through walls yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I it's, forget what they're called. It's uh, it's a
0: fireman's tool or something like that, but I know the one you yeah. mean, yeah. Or get a fire axe. Bet you they got a fire axe in there. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> you know, now that I now that you say all that, I I wish that those zombies that had come out of that door were the firemen and firewomen oh, no. in oh, no, no, in no. gear or at least half gear.
1: No, 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 because then we're getting down to, uh, you know, themed zombies. No, 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 these
0: aren't themed zombies. This is totally relevant because it's a fire station. People in the fire station became zombies, got locked in. And you know how firemen, they walk around with their, like, fireman pants on? And then when the... They don't walk around with their fireman pants on. Their fireman pants are tucked in their fireman boots for when
1: there's a fire and then they jump into their boots, they pull up their pants, put on their coat, put on their hat and then they go.
0: No, if I know anything from movies and TV shows and fire stations, they're walking around with the fireman pants on, the bell rings, they pop the jacket on, they hop in the truck and they go. At least we should have had a couple of zombies come out in full fire, fireman gear. I think what
1: you're thinking of is fireman calendars where they're wearing the pants and no shirt. (laughs)
0: I forgot about that. My collection of (laughs) fireman calendars. That's what you're thinking of. Since 1984. (laughs) They um... don't
1: sit around in fireman pants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they do in in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right. So next we have an email from Heather in Buffalo, New York. A thought occurred to me when you were discussing why Eugene was thinking about the preacher on the bus. I think it goes beyond Eugene just having a contemplative mind. I feel like Eugene sees himself as Gabriel. First, because they are physically weak, needing other stronger people to protect them from the threats present in the zombie apocalypse. But more importantly, because the selfish decisions both characters made to protect themselves, with the result, uh, uh, which resulted in the deaths of many others. Uh, after the show's big reveal, Eugene accounts the names of every person that died because of his lie.
0: Yeah, I think this is a really astute observation. By mm-hmm. Heather, that Eugene sees the parallels between himself and Gabriel. They both lied. They people have gotten killed because of it. They're both kind of cowards, and uh, he's he's just equating what he's done to what uh, the preacher's done. And I think it's just one more thing that leads him to um, come clean. Right, right. I think that's I think that's really really uh, uh, a really good point by that made by heather here so nice job heather good work our next email comes from justin in singapore he says love the flashbacks for abraham and really hope they do more moving forward i am still holding out hope that they will do the tank soldier flashback darabont wanted to do in season two would be awesome to see some of the outbreak it has always been a favorite part of any zombie apocalypse show or movie for me
1: Sorry, Justin, that's probably not likely.
0: Yeah, at this point, I say that's no way that's going to happen. Um, if anyone's wondering what that is, way back in season one, if you recall, when Rick got into the tank, there was a zombie in there, which he had to shoot in the head in close quarters in that tank, and he went deaf for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, that zombie was actually played by a known actor, and Darabont, who was Frank Darabont, who was working on the first season, put him in there with the intention of showing his story— or at least showing his involvement in the Atlanta story right after the outbreak and what happened. But then Darabont moved on and uh, Glenn Mazzara came on board and all that was thrown out the window. So it would be cool, but I don't think it's going to happen. Too bad. All
1: right. Next we have an email from Jessica in Toronto. Uh, The intro to Abe's backstory seems to allude to a deeper instability than we had previously realized. In the flashbacks, Ellen and the kids' utter terror of Abraham would suggest that there's more going on in the supermarket than Abe's saving them from the danger. Uh, the people he's beaten to death, the people he's beaten to death with the canned goods, don't appear to be zombies. So what was actually happening that that he needed to kill them all? I feel like there's actually a semi-psychotic side to Abe that's starting to come out now, and that Rosita's relationship with him is possibly started to parallel that of Ellen's. Azita looked uh, pretty gobsmacked when Abraham started to lose it, like this is a new side of him that she's seeing, and maybe she's heading down the same path as Abe's late wife in a relationship with someone who's going to wind up scaring the ever-loving bejesus out of
0: her. Right. So I think this email from Jessica really portrays how little of the Abraham backstory we got. I mean, we got yeah. just the, the tip of the iceberg, just enough— to portray the idea that, you know, he had this family or these people and something happened to them. He frightened them. And then that was all he, that was all he was living for at the time. And the whole idea of him, you know, needing someone to protect or needing a mission and so on. Nothing else about what was going on in those scenes was really shown on screen, I don't think. And unless you've read the comic, it's pretty hard to to, to figure out what, Is really going on there. And you and I have both read the comic. I don't know if you remember sort of this stuff from the comic, but I don't want to totally go into it, because it would be comic spoilers for the comic, but there's more information in the comic books about this. And I was talking to someone at work about it recently, and she was saying the same thing, that she didn't really see what was going on here. I explained to her what I knew from the comic, and she said, well... They could have done a better job of portraying that on screen, right? So, uh, yeah, I I I feel a little bit for the people that don't have the comic backstory here, but this is one case where I don't think they really—they tried to give us some comic info or use it as a, you know, use the comic storyline, but they didn't really go far enough with it, which I don't know if has really ever happened before on the show.
1: No, it doesn't sound like a familiar thing to me.
0: Our next email comes from Marissa, also in Toronto, another uh, hometown person here, Mm -hmm. and she says, I think Abraham is suffering from PTSD, the way his wife and kids hid behind her. I think it looked like they were in serious fear of him, like he beat her up all the time and the children witnessed it. And I totally agree with Jason. Abraham had two mental breaks, one losing his wife and then Eugene lying. All he wants to do is be useful or hero-like, and he keeps being denied.
1: That's true. But he did hook up with the first piece of ass that he found after his wife
0: died. <laughs> we don't know how long that took. That could have been a long well, you time. You
1: think that's the second piece of
0: ass that he found? Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> could have been. I don't know. Uh, so there that's
1: you go. Why I, I, I initially thought that it wasn't actually his wife and kids, that it was just it was somebody that he was helping to protect. Uh, so like, you know that from, from where? How do you know that that's his wife and
0: kids? It comic book, it was his wife from, in the comics. Right. Okay. So from the
1: TV show, I, you know, I'm not, I wasn't entirely convinced and I had forgotten about the backstory of Abraham from the comics.
0: Now I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. I'm doubting myself a little bit, but I'm pretty sure in the comic it was his wife. Okay. But it has been a long time since I read that really a long well just
1: time. uh you know the after seeing the whole episode and realizing that he was hooking up with uh rosita that uh you know that was pretty quick you know my wife and kids are dead i've got this uh mullet guy to hang out with and protect and then a little while later i find this other lady and uh <laughs> we're gonna hook up but you know all what eugene watches
0: all rules are out the window i mean it's it's, they are dead. First of all, you know, they're, they're gone. They're not coming back and it's the zombie apocalypse. What are you going to do? I mean, you need companionship and that's, that's what Abe needs. He needs ass. I guess so. He said it himself.
1: Yeah, he did. All right. Next, we have uh, a comment from Liz on Facebook. Uh, She writes, you know how you guys were saying that nobody comments on your hair? I'm (laughs) betting you don't have a novelty haircut. (laughs) <laughs> Mullet's are the same in the same vein as Mohawks. I think the mullet is mocked so hard and for so long. I think it's inevitable that a conversation had to come up.
0: Very true. Um, the Tennessee top hat. That's exactly it. I wonder how many different terms there are for the mullet. Mullet is very North American, as far as I know, and I don't know if if uh, the the term mullet was even really popular before hockey players started started wearing them, because here in Canada, that's also called hockey hair, or at least it was hockey when hair, I was yeah. when I was growing up. It was hockey hair, and then the term mullet came around, and now we have Tennessee top hat, and I wonder if there are other terms for it out there. You're looking it up, aren't you?
1: I'm looking it up. I don't see anything uh, uh, really relevant, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, party in the front, or sorry, business in the front, party in the back.
0: You're right. That's the way to do it. All righty, uh, but no, my uh, my hair, nobody... As we said, nobody comments on my hair, but I definitely don't have a novelty haircut.
1: (laughs) Uh, I also don't have a novelty haircut, but my wife did say my hair is getting pretty long.
0: Well, that's, you know, she is in a position to say that. That's her right to tell you when your hair is getting shaggy and you need to cut it.
1: Well, yeah, and because I don't pay attention anymore, because really that's her job now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's right. (laughs) And just like it's your job to comment on her hair when you think it's getting too long.
1: No, her comment on her hair is, your hair looks nice, sweetie. Oh,
0: see? You know what you're doing. <laughs> All right, Lee... Later for a little while. Yeah, a little while. Lee in Manchester, UK writes, I'm not as observant as most, so I wondered if anyone else has mentioned that the map in the opening credits is upside down, with Atlanta and not DC circled, indicating the mission lies there. On a side note, I think Eugene's running style should be called Eugening. <laughs> <laughs> I, the armored
1: Piroga Ring. The armored
0: ring is eugening down the road. Yeah. Um I support that, and I think we will call it that from now on. Um as for the map, I went back just before we started recording to look at the opening credits, and the map is upside down for some reason. There's a big circle drawn, sort of near I guess near Atlanta. It's hard to tell on the map exactly. And then a line going down, which is actually north towards Washington, I suppose. Do you think they were just trying to It's hard to tell, though, if you don't pause it and look up close. So do you think they were just trying to screw with us by putting an upside-down map there? Yeah. What else would they be doing? This is Robert Kirkman, after all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're just... I I have no idea why the map would be upside-down. It's just, uh, you know, it's only convention that north goes at the top of a map.
0: It, It is, but what I'm saying is, and what I think Lee is saying, is that the circle on the map usually indicates your destination. And in this case... They have the map upside down with a circle at the top, which is actually the uh, south end. And as we all know, they're traveling north. I just feel like they were misleading the the audience on purpose, you know, by showing a map and that's, that's it. So I don't know.
1: Maybe they've just picked up this map and uh, Eugene... Uh, you know, somebody, Abraham asked, where the hell are we? And Eugene went, oh, we're right here, idiot. And then we're going up here.
0: Now nah, you know what it is? It's like when you, if you pick up a book and don't look at it and open it, it might be upside down and then you have to turn it over. So someone just picked up the map, didn't look at it, unfolded it. Oh, it's upside down. Let's turn it over.
1: That's a good joke at a restaurant, by the way. When you get your menu and it's upside down and you open it up, you, you say to whoever else is there, man, they printed this whole thing upside down.
0: <laughs> I'm going to do that next time I'm out. Yeah, it's a
1: good uh, restaurant joke.
0: I'm going to see if the wife wants to go see Interstellar this weekend and maybe we'll get some dinner and I'll pull that joke too.
1: You should pull that joke. I definitely will. All right, finally, we have an email from Andy in England. Is it just me or the group Semi-Invincible now? The only time I felt like the main gang was in any kind of trouble lately was when they were lured into giving up their weapons and subsequently uh, faced with multiple heavily armed termites at the end of season four and the first episode of season five. Uh the way they were chased around the complex and rounded up to the train cart cart was like cattle and well done then uh, then gassed out and sorry then gassed out and tied up and dragged to the killing room again well done but as soon as they got their weapons back, I knew they would all get out without a single hair on their heads being harmed uh, especially that mullet. The only surprise being uh, the capture and maiming of Bob, but even that turned out to be much reduced impact because he was bitten and going to die soon anyway. My point is, are we getting to the point in the show where the main characters are so well drilled in the art of survival that all threats facing them at this point are going to seem somewhat non-threatening?
0: Yeah, and this is similar to uh, what I think Paul in Bakersfield was saying earlier this uh, podcast, but... Um, yeah, our characters are getting really good at killing zombies and surviving, and even dealing with other human threats. Um, and like you know, Abraham said as much in this episode. He says everyone out there now is strong, and so you have to be strong too because you're not going to survive if you're not. Yeah.
1: But what so is the- I was going to say that uh, yeah, they know how to deal with human threats, and uh, we know how to deal with human threat f- threats. Kill them all. Always kill
0: everyone. Well, that seems to be how it works out. But at the same time, I mean, that's the way everybody feels. And Rick has tried to talk to people. He's tried to talk to the governor lots of times. Didn't really uh, go so well, and he ended up having to kill them all. That's right. You know? Um, But what does this mean for the show? Like, what does this mean for future storylines and stuff? Is it just going to be more, more of the same as they go through... Um, their travels where they meet someone and they either join the group or they kill them. Like, it's, I mean, maybe that's enough, you know? I don't know. This is a zombie apocalypse show about survival and people are going to get better at surviving as they go along. I just hope it doesn't become mundane. Well, it's not going to be mundane.
1: We have, I have faith in the professionals that are working on this show in order to keep the storylines interesting and keep things moving, and keep the uh, the threat going. Mm-hmm. And even uh, Robert Kirkman uh, has done that in the comic. I'm not going to spoil anything, but uh, if they follow the comic from this point forward, they're definitely not safe.
0: No, and I'm glad you mentioned the comic, because I was kind of down on the comic um, until recently. Uh, I was starting to feel like it was a bit samey all the time. And I know a friend of the show, Dave, I think he stopped reading it actually after after a certain point. I have continued with it. And I must admit, I'm glad I am. I have. I'm glad I did. (laughs) I does. (laughs) I'm glad I does still read that thing. Um, Because some actually really interesting stuff is happening in it right now. And it's different. It's uh, different than it's ever been. And it's working better for me now than it was for a while there. Like between issue number 100 and like maybe 125 or 130, that's when I was kind of really not enjoying it as much as I used to. Now I stuck with it because the best properties have their ups and downs. And frankly, I wanted to know what was going on in the comic because of this podcast so I can sort of relate the two a little bit. But in the last four or five or six issues or so... I think it has really taken a turn for the better again, and I'm glad I stuck with it. So um, yeah, and my point is that the comic is now doing some interesting stuff that it has never done before, and if the comic can do that after 10 years or 11 years or whatever and 130-something issues, the TV show certainly can too. So I'm not too worried about it getting boring, even though our characters are now very capable within this apocalyptic universe. So there you go. Um, You still haven't read past issue 100, 100, have you?
1: No, but I recently purchased uh, all of the trade paperbacks that I could get my hands on. So I am geared up to at least get mostly caught up to within the last six months kind of thing.
0: So you're still buying the trades, eh? Yeah, that's what I read. Okay, I read the hardcovers. Although I, I, also buy the individual issues just so I can stay right at the forefront. But I always buy the. I, I don't cover.
1: have the. Uh, I I don't have the uh, discipline to go and get uh, comics on a, on a monthly basis. I I buy the trades. I buy the books too, just to have them. I haven't opened one since uh, book two or book three. Right, they're all you know completely seller wrapped. But I buy the trade paperbacks, and it's the trades that I read.
0: Right, okay. I've got, uh, I think there's 10 hardcovers now. I just got number 10.
1: 10? I'm behind on that too now.
0: Damn it, I think I only have seven. Oh, geez, I think there's 10. And there's this artist-proof one that I was talking about at the the top of the show. So, uh, um, unless you're a real collector, though, you don't really need to go out and purchase that one. But uh, if you win our Record a Favorite scene Contest, you will get your very own copy. Which I am planning on winning. Well, then I, I I won't have to send it very far. <laughs> I'll come and get it. Yeah, why not? We'll uh, have a beer. You can pick up the prize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you uh, to everyone who wrote in and called in this week with your feedback for self-help. We will be back on Monday. Oh, man, I don't know the title of next week's episode. I forgot to look it up. But of course, it'll air mm. on AMC on Sunday night. We'll be back on Monday to recap that one and uh, deliver you the holy crap moments from that episode. Um, In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can give us a call on the toll-free ZombLine at 1-844-483-9662. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. You know, I just posted something cool that a listener sent in on Facebook. um, Fox... In the uh, in Europe, did a digital Walking Dead billboard where they put a they put a big TV in the side of a bus shelter, and mm-hmm. on the TV was a shot of what's beyond the bus shelter. So it looked like you were looking through a clear wall, and then every once in a while a clip would play where there'd be a zombie come on the uh, on the on the TV. So it looked like there was a zombie just on the other side of the bus shelter, and it cool. would turn around and it would like. Growl and slap the glass and stuff like that, and then people who were sitting in the bus shelter would freak out and run away. Nice. And I thought it was a really sort of clever, simple, but effective advertising campaign. So if you want to check that out, go visit us on Facebook. I got the video up there. And of course, all our episodes get posted there as well uh, when they come out. Um... What's left? Email. If you want to send us an email, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We read everything. I try to respond to lots of stuff. Uh, All of the volume of email has really gone up this season, so I apologize if I don't get back to you or I don't get your feedback on the air. Um, We do like to play play and read as much as we can, but uh, sometimes there is just too much. But keep sending it in. We do love getting it. You listeners are the best. You can also find us on iTunes. We would really appreciate ratings and reviews over there on the iTunes. There aren't too many because uh, we don't really push it that often. But it definitely is a good way to, you know, let iTunes know that you dig it. You dig the show and, and you know, that'll bring, bring, it, bring it to their attention. And so maybe they'll uh, feature us once in a while. That would be really cool. So iTunes ratings and reviews, good way to uh, show your appreciation and uh if you have a podcast i'd be happy to rate and review yours too <laughs> <laughs> there you go um remember to use our amazon link amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com and now amazon.uk.talkingdeadpodcast.com plus more countries coming soon <laughs> which i feel yeah. i feel it's almost a little bit silly you know having this many but i'm sorry the U- the the eu countries just kind of came bundled with the uk so why not really right Yeah. All right. Uh, That's enough rambling. We will be back on Monday. Until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. You didn't say bye. That was weird. That is weird. I didn't (laughs) say bye? No. (laughs) Bye. Add that in later. (laughs) Yes, probably can.